Blog Talk Radio. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 596th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you an American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national teams, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me and other writers over at either beyond90.substack.com or at Red Bull News Network. But as always, this show is dedicated to the American game. You know... What we're witnessing at the FIFA Women's World Cup is really substandard football by our women's national team. And the sad thing is that U.S. soccer is allowing it to happen. And why is that? Well, coaching-wise, and Donovsky, to me doesn't seem like he's up for the task. He may have been a solid hire in the past before, but now he's looking lost and he's looking very, very unsure of himself and at the same time, very stubborn and overly opinionated. Most managers are. We are also seeing some of the players coming from the NWSL, which is a good thing, which is a very good thing, But are they ready for prime time? And at the same time, even though this is the last World Cup and the big swan song for Megan Rapinoe, as much as she has tried to do what she could coming off the bench, there's nothing much more she can do because the truth is she's at the age where, unfortunately – She's closer to retirement from the national team. Because it goes to show you, ladies and gentlemen, that when you have the biggest target on your back in the U.S. women's national team, everyone is looking to not only improve themselves, but they're looking to knock out the big guns. And that is our U.S. women's national team. Let's be fair and let's be honest. They got the result they needed against Vietnam. They were lucky to draw against the Dutch, who proved to be a very tough opponent. But the match against Portugal, where they nearly got eliminated from the group stage... Nearly, because if they didn't hit the post, it was all over. Our women would have already been on the plane coming home. And let me just say this. I completely understand where Carly Lloyd was coming from. I completely understand how she feels and why she went that route. Because she's a part of the program. 
because she was told and taught, you are the best, the best in the women's game of world soccer, of world football. And because we are the best team on this planet, we need to have to maintain that mentality of fighting, clawing, scratching. We know we're good, but don't act like you know you're good. Act like you're not good. Act like you are the best and dominate like you're the best. What have we seen so far? We have seen subpar performances from this women's national team, and it's not good right now. And all I can say is, all I can say is, is that this situation that we are seeing right now, the three-peat is in jeopardy. The three-peat is in major jeopardy, major jeopardy. And if they are not going to fix this against Sweden, because I don't believe they're going to lose that top spot in their respective group, because I don't see them at all. I don't see them at all losing their top spot to Italy. Right now is the problem that we are facing. And maybe some of the injuries that hit the women that were supposed to be on this roster is a lot bigger than what it's than you know what has been portrayed soccer right now is at a level where they believed they can get away with anything because they have the best team being in the world cup in the women's world cup now it looks like it's a problem. Now it looks like we got issues. Many of you probably are saying fire Vlatko during the World Cup. What good would that do? It's been done before, probably. But honestly, what good would it do now? I remember back in the 2015 Women's World Cup where Jill Ellis was being uh, basically harassed, verbally destroyed, saying she doesn't know what she's doing. And why is she not making the proper changes? Well, you know what? She did listen to her players, and she made the following changes. She did that. And she won the World Cup in Canada in 2015. And once again, did it in France in 2019. Now we got a whole different ball game, folks. Now it's under Vlatko. He is sticking with a formation that does not suit anybody at this point in time. Especially Alex Morgan. Alex Morgan is not the dangerous player she once was the last two World Cups. Is it due, due to tactics? Yes. Is it maybe she's a little long in the tooth now for this national team? That's a possibility. 
Something's got to change. Something's got to give or else they're going to go home. And the Swedish, the Swedes are not going to apologize for knocking out our women. They're not. They're going to go out there and they're going to dominate unless something changes drastically. You know, the world has caught up to the U.S. women's national team. The money is being poured into the women's game in Europe, Mexico, South America now. Even though there are still some countries that are not respecting women, obviously FIFA cannot just go in there and demand that this happens. They got to fix it for themselves. They have to want to make the women's program in their respective nations outside of Europe and North America and South America to be a part of the world. They have to do it because if you're going to force them to do it, 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 it's just not going to go well. And I'm not saying this to prove a point. I'm only saying this because do I want to see women get the same respect the men like the men do? Yes. But we have to be aware of the surroundings and the different cultures and the different situations that do plague women in some of these countries within the Middle East and other parts of the Asian continent. We just got to be aware of that. It's a truth. Got to be truthful about this. Cannot pretend that this isn't quick and easy fix because it's not. These nations must evolve on their own. But once again, England has improved. France has improved. Brazil. Germany. Sweden. This used to be a three women's national team race. Us, the Norwegians, and the Chinese. Now look at everybody else. Now they're pouring in the money and, and the means to make it what it should be. And that is what is on the table right now. You claim that we should still be the best. You're damn right we should still be the best. But guess what? The top of the mountain is now up for grabs, folks. The top of that mountain is up for grabs. Until the U.S. women's national team changes things, changes things up in tactics and formation, if they do that, then it will be a repeat of 2015 in Canada for the Women's World Cup. If not, more questions than answers will be asked. And this is where you got to put all of your eyes and sharpen your index fingers to point the blame at U.S. soccer. And it has to be said. 
Cindy Parlo Cohn, who is the now who is the president of US soccer. She got the equal pay done, uh, situation done. Good for her. Congratulations. What will you do now after that? That is the big question. Kate Markgraf, you are supposed to be the general manager of the U.S. women's national team. What are you going to do? You have these positions of power. You have these positions to make the necessary changes happen for this women's national team. Now go and do it. Because no more now equal pay. It's done. You had your shining moment. Now have your bigger shining moment fixing the women's national team and getting the right head coach in here and doing the job or making sure the right players are on this national team and doing the job as a whole. We cannot, and I stress this, we cannot have another situation where you're down one nil and it takes the opposition player to basically challenge Lindsay Horan, smack her in the mouth, piss her off so that she can't score that equalizer off the corner. Because that is not how post to work. We cannot continue to play like this for the women. They got to go out. They got to put everything, every single inch of emotion out of their body to remain in this World Cup. They have to. Or else it's a failure. And you never thought you would say that about the U.S. women's national team. You never thought you would ever mutter that word failure. But right now, it's there. It's available. And it's going to happen if they do not defeat the Swedes, period. Well, ladies and gentlemen, on my show tonight, we're going to to my good friend Robert Hay from World Soccer Talk, also a DC United reporter, on the situation. Once again, Taxi Fountas has diarrhea of the mouth aimed at his own teammate for potentially more racial slurs. Robert, good evening, and welcome back to the show, sir. Hey, Daniel, thanks for having me on. I wish it was to talk about a happier topic, but, you know, hey, we're faced with what we're faced with here. You know, Robert, it's really hard. Um, Obviously, this happened last year with Fountas. Um, I've I've had to face it myself, obviously, with Dante Von Zier with the New York Red Bulls. Um, And, you know, I have always maintained that we got to give people, or at least these professional athletes who are performing their trade in the United States to give them an opportunity to learn from their mistakes. We need to give them the opportunity to learn from their mistakes, to say, you know what, 
Maybe this was said by mistake. Maybe this situation was an error in judgment and that we have to give these people an opportunity to prove their worth. That what they did and how they said it and why they said it was an error in judgment and it it was just a mistake. But unfortunately, what is the old adage here with Fountas? You fool me once, shame on you. You fool me twice, shame on me. And now I I believe, you know, now I can definitely say anyone who's a DC United supporter or a member of the DC community, Taxi Fountas has to be transferred out of here. Yeah, and I, I think that he was rather fortunate in the first instance. I mean, it was pretty clear that there was something that I, as Neville said, it was like the worst possible word you could use. Um, and I don't know if I disagree with that. Um, you know, but, you know, MLS investigated in – but because they couldn't find specific evidence, they – you know, um, he was basically reinstated, but, you know, obviously he has that mark upon his name. And now for this to happen again with a teammate uh, over, um, you know, it's, it's two people have uh, vouched for what was said in the locker room. This seemed to have spilled over from an incident on the pitch. Um, the athletic gets breaking this. They really did the legwork on this and um, did the initial reporting in detail. So I want to give them credit publicly, but I mean, it really looks like it's hard to defend this at any point. You cannot defend using that word or denigrating somebody in this way. Um, like you said, you know, there, there, you can make a, not in this instance, but in other instances, um, an argument that players who are um, in a new country situation or something like that, there may, there may be an opportunity to come back and say, listen, I learned from this and, um, you know, the, I've made a mistake. Uh, I, I know this is horribly wrong and I won't do it again. And, you know, there's an opportunity for forgiveness. But really, when you do it twice, um, it, it doesn't matter how angry you are. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It's inexcusable. And, um, you know, at this point, I think it's time for DC United to move on from him. Uh, the sooner the better. I know the uh, supporters sections um, have put out a statement asking for his immediate release. Um, I believe that was uh, last week that was put out. It was for pretty soon after the incident. Um, and, uh, you know, I can't say I disagree with him. I know at the moment I don't believe there's any public um, statement as to, or public, you know, statements been made by anybody on the team as to what his status is. But I think we can all safely say he's going to be released as soon as possible, as soon as uh, they can quietly do it. Um, and I think it should be done sooner rather than later. Um just simply to get past this. I mean, this is an ugly, ugly incident. It's been an ugly year um, for DC United for a, a number of things. It had some really bad situations happen. I, a couple of them we'll talk about tonight. And um, it's the kind of thing where, you know, it, it just, you got to move, probably be doing something a little bit more public about this than they are. Maybe they will once they're able to, but um, it's time for him to go. And there's really no excuse for this at this point. No, there really isn't. And, you know, I feel bad for Nigel Roberta for how he got – I don't want to say slandered because the truth is I, I, that's the wrong word. I just want to say I cannot believe he was verbally attacked like that by a teammate on, on the club. You're supposed to be friends. You're supposed to be having each other's back. 
and okay, fine. You know, you'll get angry at each other for maybe something so small that, you know, it's a little minor spat that you can probably, you know, uh, apologize to each other. But uh, to make it go that far against your own teammate, regardless of who he is or what he is or where, you know, he is came from or his parents came from wherever. I don't know where Roberta comes from. I'm assuming um, he comes from Africa or his family is of African descent of some sort. But for him to go to be attacked verbally like that and being abused racially like that, I just could not believe that happened again, especially Mm -hmm. to a teammate like that. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I think we we know, and and you certainly do, having covered um, this sport for a long time and and being sports fans in general, you know, we don't have to expect teammates to be best of friends. I mean – you know, there's there's always in the in the heat of a competition, players get mad at each other, managers get mad at players, and there's a lot of emotion. I mean, sports thrives on emotion, um, and it's easy to cross a line. That's not excusable, but it's easy to cross the line. Um, you know, part of the story is that Roberta hit him with a foam roller, um, which is an interesting visual. Um, but we all know that much worse <laughs> things have been thrown. In a locker room, right? I mean, Sir Alex Ferguson was was is famous for throwing things at his players, um, certain players. Uh, not to excuse it, but you know, it happens. Now, and of course, what's inexcusable is the racial element. And you know, Nigel Bertha is um, technically uh, he's born well, not technically he's Dutch. He's born in the Netherlands, um, but he is mm-hmm. um, you know black, um, and so that's where the slur comes in. Um, it, so, you know, it, it's, you know, I, I'm okay with players, you know, getting mad at each other. It's been a tough year. You know, it, it, players bark at each other. We all know this. Uh, it carries over the locker room. That's not great. It's a sign of probably some club management that needs to be done. And, you know, this falls on Wayne Rooney and his staff. Um, and then, of course, but it's obviously went way, way too far. And, you know, I think the, the positive was, you know, again, he was reinstituted or, or you know, put back on the team or whatever you want to call it within a couple of days of the incident. So he was, both players were suspended or placed on administrative leave, whatever you want to call it um, after the match. And then um, uh, Roberto was, was brought back a few days later. Uh, I understand needing to do that simply because, you know, you need to sort out all the facts. Um, and so I'm glad that there wasn't a, um, you know, a long, he, he didn't have to, um, uh, he didn't have to to suffer through lost pay or anything like that because of this incident. And but again, nothing from the club uh, or MLS about you know what what went on here or absolving him of anything. It's just kind of like we're just not going to talk about it. And um, I think that's the disappointing thing. They could have had an opportunity to take a stand on this and said you know passion is is acceptable. You know what happened here was not acceptable, and a players suffered because of it. And we need to make a statement that this will not stand and you know, DC United's um, uh, locker room or in the culture of the organization. I agree. And then all of a sudden, DC United fires their uh, their medical trainer, all because during a, uh, a team photo, he did some sort of uh, gang sign of some sort or uh, what they call uh, – I guess, racially motivated uh, hand gesture of some sort. I, I don't understand what the hell's going on over there. I, I don't understand why the medical trainer all of a sudden had to do that to gain some form of attention. 
you know, for a club photo. Why? Yeah, it's that was it, it, this happening like right before this other incident. It just is such a well, I'm going to say weird. It's probably not strong enough. It's just such a weird incident, and it's a really bad, unfortunate incident. So what happened is the athletic trainer, um, I guess, was caught during the team photo um, displaying what um, what's an okay sign with his hands that's now been adopted by far-right nationalist groups. You know, I, I can't even talk about the craziness and the, the horribleness that is far-right nationalist groups, but the fact that I guess he was doing it obvious enough that it was quickly identified and he was uh, fired. Um, I'm glad that the club did that. And the club actually put out a statement uh, upon his termination um, that was fairly detailed um, and, you know, basically said there is no place for racism, homophobia, misogyny, or discrimination. Uh, we don't tolerate any acts of this nature. Um, and then, of course, the incident happened. So it's just, you know, I, I, this the trainer had been hired by a couple other MLS clubs. I, I don't know. I don't know why he was able to be employed. I guess he was keeping his real beliefs quiet enough that, um, but it's just a bad look. And it's it, on top of everything else, it's just really bad for this club to have not been able to deal with these issues. You know, DC United, DC United is located in a, you know, very diverse city, a city that's proud of its diversity, proud of its um, ability to attract people from all over the world to come and feel welcome. Um, and for this to happen to this club, basically two incidences within a short period of time like this, and it, it, one handled quickly and, and loudly and the other quietly and not quick enough is just kind of perplexing to me. So let me just make sure I understand this correctly. The OK sign that Rodney Dangerfield, a comedian, would always do in his films is now considered a white supremacist sign, Correct. There's a certain way to do it that has been adopted by white supremacist groups. It's one of those topics where I don't want to delve too deeply into it because that I know enough to know that if if it's been pointed out, it's bad and that's a bad thing to do. I, I don't want to delve too much into the movement because it's a horrible mm-hmm. place to be. But yeah, there is no, some I understand. sort of symbolism that's been adopted. <laughs> yeah, but there, but it's it's some sort of symbolism. It's it's um. Uh, has been adopted by these groups, and and it's been it, it was it was identified in, by enough people both inside and outside the club that it was not, and I you know it was taken as as a sign of support. So, um, and I have not heard that he no, has no. argued against it. So, mm-hmm. no, I mean, look, look. First of all, uh, he's an idiot because he should know better. <laughs> That's number one, and number two. Um, you know, look, if you have difference of opinions and you just want to keep it, you should just keep it to yourself if you don't want to lose your job. I mean, plain and simple. I mean, you know as well about this show. I don't really want to mix politics and sports. I don't want to. I try to avoid that as much as possible because I just want to talk about the game and the love of the game and why I believe that our our leagues and our players are just as equally good as those players that do, you know, apply their trade in Europe. That's all I try to do. And uh, I really don't blame you for, you know, you don't want to get involved in this all the way. And believe me, I don't want you to either. But, I mean, unfortunately, Fountas just continued to play stupid. And let's, let's be honest, dumbassery. 
Yeah. It, 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 what he did, uh, or I guess, tech, I don't know if you can say alleged. I mean, it sounds pretty obvious he did it twice now is, is you know, it's pretty obvious and not in any way able to be misconstrued. I mean, he said something that was horrible. And it, it is very, you know, this is a player that has, um, you know, he's been an important part of DC United, you know, um, uh, he has been an important part of his national team setup. And so this is a player that really um, has a lot to lose by this. And, you know, I don't know him or I don't know where he came, why he thinks this is a good thing to call somebody or, you know, where this came from. But it's really unacceptable. And, and I agree that, you know, politics and sports sometimes should mix. But this is definitely the place where it, it, it's really unacceptable and there's really no excuse for doing this twice. And so I think that as a as a person, he really needs to spend some time examining. And I guess DC United is giving him that time, um, really examining himself and why he thinks it's acceptable or even a knee-jerk reaction to call players by this demeaning name, you know, demeaning word. And, uh, you know, what's in his future, it, hopefully not in D.C. I can't imagine in D.C., but wherever he ends up next, whether it's, you know, back in Europe or wherever, he takes this as an opportunity to learn from and really examine himself and the, the choices and the words he used and, and learn from it. Because um, and I think even at that point, if he does, he still shouldn't be welcome back to DC United or MLS, but um, I, I'm, I'm the eternal optimist and I hope that he can learn from these two incidences and make himself a better person. I agree. But once again, Robert, I hate to say it. We can't go three strikes and out here. We got to, I mean, they got to put their foot down and I think it's like, okay, you did it. You, we forgive you learn from it and hopefully you'll be staying here forever. Do it again. I'm sorry. You're done. You're out. That's all I'm saying. Yep. Um, yeah. Now, here's my question to you, obviously. Obviously, the temperature in Europe is not great when it comes to this sort of situation. And we all know that there are groups that are trying to stamp this out. Obviously, you know, Thierry Henry made this very uh, situation uh, public when he was on with Brian Gumble on his real sports show on HBO. You know, it's still going on. And regardless if it's against you know, African-Americans or, or African people. Obviously, we all know what's going on in Italy at Lazio with those supporters. You know, they're anti-Semitic as well. Without a doubt, they are. And the persecution of Jews, of course, me being Jewish, well, you know that and I know that, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when will Europe, as great as they are in football, when are they going to really tackle this situation? Do you think they have done enough to get the message across, or do you think they still need to do more? Oh, absolutely not. Um, you know, and, and I, you know, you know, and, and people who know me know I'm a huge fan of Italian soccer. I love it. It was my first soccer love. And, you know, they, Italian soccer has a horrible, horrible um, history and current um, situations with race and discrimination. Um, and this extends throughout you know, Europe in different, it comes up in different shapes and forms. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, uh, anti-Semitism is, is rampant in certain uh, leagues and teams. Um, and, you know, if you go read like Franklin Fors or David Goldblatt's books, you'll, you'll see, you know, why this is and not, not as an excuse, but as a, you know, this is why this is here besides the usual, just boneheaded, horrible people decided it's a great thing to, to chant and, and do. But no, I mean, really, I think what's going to need to I, – I think that the light has been shined on it, and players have spoken out more and more 
on these issues. You know, we've seen instances where players and teams have walked off the pitch when there's been abuse uh, shouted or at players or, or uh, pointed at players. And I think that, you know, that gets a lot of coverage, and I think that's very helpful to shine a light on it. But, again, we know that there is discrimination and um, homophobia, racism, uh, you know, anti-Semitism, all of these things being thrown at players in the stands and so forth across across the world. But, it's, you know, since we're talking about Europe, uh, even in Europe, which is, you know, thinks of itself the gold standard for um, for soccer. So I think what's really going to need to – make a difference here is the moneyed interest in the sport. It's the sponsors, it's the companies, it's the people who have the money who who really financially back these leagues and these federations to say, you know, for example, um, you know, it would be like in the U.S. If Coca-Cola went to the U.S. Soccer Federation, it's like, we don't, you know, there's an issue with the Federation. We're not giving you any more money until it's solved. You know, whether it's Barclays in England or, you know, whoever the big financial supporters are in each of these leagues across the world, I think that's what it's going to take is these corporations and these individuals who have crowd with us to say, like, this needs to stop and we need to do more than just, you know, have a, 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 a bulletin board up on the, in the, um, the stands that say, like, say no to racism, you know, hold hands uh, before the game, you know, wear the armbands, you know, all of these are things are important, but it's got to go beyond that. It's got to be actually these, these sponsors saying, you know, you need to do more and may it make there be real punishments for these things. You know, let's, let's talk about our own backyard and Mexico uh, with certain fans who chant certain things that, you know, we, people have been calling, talking about for years and years, years saying, this is not right. It's discriminatory. What's it going to take to stop this? And, you know, it, it finally took pressure on CONCACAF to start doing suspensions and, you know, calling matches and, and really punishing the federation to get them to try and start crack down. Now, have they been totally successful? No. But it's going to take a united effort, especially by those folks who are financially subsidizing these leagues, to say, what we're doing is good, but it's not enough. We've got to go beyond the slogans, beyond the messaging, beyond shining a spotlight, and actually root out systemically a lot of these issues that are continuing to persist. Um, you know, it's it's like it's like in medicine, you know, you may have a cough and a sneeze, you may take, you know, add Tylenol or Advil and it goes away, but if it keeps coming back, there's something deeper there. And if you don't address what's deeper and keep taking Tylenol, you're going to suffer for a very, very long time and it's gonna get worse. And so I think that's you know, we've made progress, but it's not nearly enough. And I think it's gonna take combined effort and again the financial backers to really put pressure on these leagues to do something very serious about it. I agree. Um, I, I, and you know, once again, CONCACAF keeps uh, putting those little uh, messages out there. If these Mexican uh, fans keep using it as a way to show their displeasure of how their national team is playing, because if they're doing well, they won't do it. But if they're not doing well, if they're going to use it to stop the game intentionally, and it's getting to the point where, you know, what are you going to do then? I mean, I mean, even the Federation is probably telling, you know, Montagliani, hey, listen, we told them no, but they're pulling it off because they're showing their displeasure to our players. So, but some, you know, when are they going to start really showing that maybe if it's the fans that will continue to use that mechanism to their advantage in a negative light? 
I think it's time for CONCACAF to say, you know what? The next time there's a World Cup qualifier at the Estadio Azteca, it will be under closed doors. And don't let the fans come in. And I think that's going to get these people to understand, hey, listen, your money's no good here if you're going to keep pulling stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I think that can that can go for our leagues across. You know, maybe that's the one. You know, one of the things that really makes a difference is it's starting to be closed doors or uh, matches that um, there's no revenue coming in for. I mean, you know, if if it's a you know a player has a banana thrown at them from the stands, you know that home team is now you know has an automatic you know uh, one game without fans, uh, you know, behind closed doors kind of match. You know, it, it's. Is it harsh? Yes. Is it necessary? Yes. Um, you know, really coming down and starting to hurt the revenue of these clubs and these leagues, I think, is what's going to make a huge difference. And, you know, we all know that money is what drives these sports, and I think that's what's um, what they're going to have to do across the board. I agree with you there. Um, so I don't know if you saw this or not, but apparently Bruce Arena has been uh, put on administrative leave because – he said something to a revolution player, and I don't know what that was. It hasn't been uh, informed to us of what was said, but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of shocked. You know, Bruce Arena, legend of this game as a head coach, plenty of uh, accolades he's done, both club and national team. And, you know, what does that say about a man who's at the age of 71 and all of a sudden he blows a gasket and he says the wrong things to his players? Yeah, you know, going back to another DC United connection, uh, obviously Bruce Arena is, is, is <laughs> certainly has a connection. Um, you know, it, I'm waiting to see. Yeah, I did see the stories, and I'm waiting to see some details as to what was said and how. And obviously, there hasn't been a lot of firm details coming out. Um, and that's that, that's uh, you know, we'll wait to see exactly what that was. But obviously, it's serious enough and heard by enough people that he was also pushed on administrative leave. You know, I it's 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 sad to see. I mean, you see somebody like that who is well-regarded uh, in U.S. soccer and um, for him to be suspended for that reason, even though we don't know the details, but obviously there's something there enough to suspend him. I think it's a very sad thing. I think it's sad for the player or the person that something was said to. Again, we don't know specifically and those who do know haven't shared yet, but you know, whoever was the victim of whatever was said, we do feel horrible for them and they, they don't deserve um, something that's said to them for suspension worthy, but you know, it's also um, it, it's it's just it does point to the larger issue of you know this is ever present in sport, um, and we really need to be aware of it, and we really need to we meaning the entire community really needs to focus on figuring out how to put these things to a stop, and maybe what it is is starting small, you know doing like we do in everyday life where it's like, you know, someone makes a joke and you say, well, actually don't do that. That's not, you know, um, that's not a joke that's really appropriate or you know, that's not funny. Let's don't do Don't say that again. You're not, you know, making a joke, you know, that's not a re- appropriate joke or that terminology isn't appropriate anymore. Hey, you're going to offend somebody. Don't do that. And here's why, um, you know, really being a conscious, it, like we are in uh, the business world sometimes about what's said and how it's said and know what its impact is. And so that way we can start educating people early about, uh, if they can be educated uh, early about, you know, why some things are offensive and why they shouldn't be said. And again, give people the chance to redeem themselves and not go down this path. But without, you know, knowing too much about what was said now, um, 
well, I'm, there's no doubt we'll find out more and someone will break it. But it's just sad overall to see that someone like this is under this situation. And um, if what we think happened happened in some way, then that's incredibly sad and sad for MLS, sad for um, the, the players and people that it happened to. And then I think just sad for the U.S. soccer community that someone like this would do that. Yep, I agree with you there. Anything else that's on your mind you'd like to talk about, Robert, or are we good to go here tonight? <laughs> Jeez. Man, it was uh there's some there's some weighty topics going on here. You know, I, I think um I'm trying to let, let, I'm trying to put a positive spin on it. You know, it, not this situation, but like in the soccer world. You know, I think even though there's a lot negative going on, you know, we we you talked you know last night about the US women's national team and there's a lot of negativity in soccer. I saw that Inter Miami is getting monsoon tonight, so you know we might not see Lionel Messi play. I, I think with all the negative stories out there, I think there's a lot of positive in the in the sports world and in the soccer world. Overall, the Women's World Cup is just incredible, getting great numbers, getting great results. Although, uh, once again, I saw an Italian team that I was really rooting for lose in the 90, 90 plus 90th plus minute. Um, besides that, it's you know great World Cup. We've got a great MLS season shaping up and a great European season coming up. So there's a lot of negative that we've talked about today, but I think right now, um, overall, there's a lot to be optimistic and positive about for soccer, the soccer community, and hope that continues. Absolutely. Same here. And I really like to talk more positive than negative, but unfortunately, we got to talk about some of these things, unfortunately, that have popped up on our uh, timelines, and uh, it's just been – you know, unfortunate, but uh, look, this is the job. And if you don't do the job, well, then we're going to pretend nothing happened and we can't do that. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. we yep. got to address these things head on. Exactly. All right, Robert Wilson, thank you very much for joining me tonight. Have a good evening, and I hope to have you uh, on again very, very soon. Have a good night. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, Robert Hay, World Soccer Talk as well, DC and I reporter um, on the situation that was going on with the Nigel Roberta taxi fountas situation. It's sad. It's terrible. But unfortunately, we got to talk about it. And uh, I just hope it just never, ever happens again. And we don't have another issue like this again here in American soccer. But other than that... Um, this uh, this situation, as I've said, it's not good. It's just not good. It's a big, big black mark uh, against the league and against D.C. and just against American soccer. We cannot have this. We just cannot have these situations pop up once again. Um, but I will say this really quick before we, ha- we end it tonight. You know, I give it in Miami credit for bringing Lionel Messi because he also brought in two players who know how to play with him, who have played with him before at Barcelona, in Sergio Busquets and Jordi Alba, to make him more comfortable than just to be him by himself to run the team. And that's what you want to do if you're bringing over the best player in the world. You want to make him comfortable, not just for him and his family, but to have players who have played with him before have a conversation with the teammates because we all know who he is on the outside, but who is he on the inside? And so far for inter Miami in, if you watch the two leagues cup games, yes, he's looked comfortable and he's done well, but then we'll see what he's going to do against MLS as a whole. 
not just playing against Atlanta United and Cruz Azul. We got to see what he's going to do there. But outside of that, Inter-Miami has done the right thing. Give them credit for making sure that not only is he going to be playing for them, but he'll be comfortable playing there and having people he knows very, very well. So we'll see what happens down the road uh, when we get back into MLS play on August the 20th. And, of course, let's not forget, let's see what Inter-Miami will do in the Open Cup semifinals on August 23rd at FC Cincinnati. So I want to thank my guest tonight, Robert Hay, for joining me and uh, talking about this unfortunate situation, but we had to talk about it. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Join me this coming Friday at 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific, as we'll preview the 2023 MPSL Championship Final between Tulsa Athletic and Apotheos FC. Once again, my name is Daniel Feuerstein. Have a good evening tonight, and as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care. So long, and bye-bye for now.